Welcome to my podcast, Peace, Love, and Pets. I am your host, Sandy Kamen Wisniewski. Join me and my guests as we share our personal stories of struggles and triumphs as we continue our path of spiritual growth. We'll share story after story, many that include animals, our great teachers in this life. We are all souls living a human experience on paths of self-discovery here on planet Earth. On this podcast, my goals are to give you tools to help serve you on your personal path of evolution. Individually and collectively, we can create a world filled with peace and love. Let's do it together. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Peace, Love, and Pets. I am your host, Sandy Kamen Wisniewski. I am the founder and director of Animal Education and Rescue, a nonprofit humane society and rescue for animals. You can visit our website at www.aear.org. You can also learn more about my other services on my website, www.mindfulspirit.net. Hello, everyone. This is Sandy Kamen Wisniewski with Peace, Love, and Pets. And today I have a very special guest, and it's Chuck Wisniewski, my husband and my soulmate. Want to say hi? Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And we're doing a very special podcast that we hope in telling our story will inspire some of you, give hope to some of you, maybe get some of you to think more deeply and thoroughly about different things that happen in your life and somehow we can help you in some way. That's the reason we're doing this podcast. So just to give a little bit of background, today is March 12th, 2023, and it is Chuck and my 34th wedding anniversary. And it's a not a significant number. It's not like the you know 50th or the 25th, but this year for me is a significant year, and we'll get into that in a minute. But first, Chuck, we're going to talk very candidly, right? Talk about... We always do. We always do. Candidly about our marriage, our journeys separately and individually, but I think first let's give some background. Uh, so we met... In 19, about 87 or so. 86, maybe. 86. And we met at a party. And Chuck was there with a bunch of his friends at the party. And I was actually with a date at the party. And we bumped into each other in a studio where you record music. If you hear a lot of noises in the background, I apologize for that, but we do a lot of our podcasts in our puppy playroom, and we have a lot of dogs running around here, and you know, and you can hear pitter-patter and noises and whining and all sorts of things, so uh, no surprise there. If you hear that, you just know you can get a visual of where we are. Anyway, so Chuck and I met at this party, and I remember... Seeing him, now my, my memory of it is a little different than his. I thought I remember him laying down on the couch, relaxing, listening to music. I think he remembers it differently, he'll tell you in a minute. But I remember he had cowboy boots on, which I always like guys with, cow- I think cowboy boots are really cool. And I looked at his face and I said to him, are you Mrs. Wisniewski's son? And he said, yes. And I said, you look just like her. And Chuck's mother was a teacher's aide at the high school we went to, and she happened to be my teacher's aide. So that was the start of our conversation and the first time we ever met. Do you have a different memory of that? No, uh, um, I don't know if it was the first time that we ever met. Were you working uh, at Rainbows at that time? Uh, Let me think. Yes, I was. So I might have known you. Or, you know, I've seen you at Rainbow. Really? I may have. Well, that would be the first time but, I knew that. But, you know, Rainbow's was a bar, but like a did, dive bar. We maybe never talked or anything, but, uh, um, uh, no, um, 
I was actually in the recording studio playing piano, and you came downstairs and talked to me. Well, I knew I knew I had come. I had wandered downstairs right. because they were doing things at that party that I didn't agree with, and so I was just wandering around aimlessly. What I should have done is left, but you know, I didn't. Right. Um, so that's. I mean, later on we may, you know, we may have been sitting in the living room, talking a bunch of people. But yeah, that's. Uh, I think when you first talked to me, I was downstairs alone in the recording room playing the piano. Okay. And then Chuck and I were friends. We struck up a friendship for about a year and a half, right? Mm-hmm. And I was busy dating that guy that I went to the party with. And uh, what were you doing at that time? Working, going to school. But following me around at all the different bars. Well. <laughs> <laughs> right? Come on. Well, you weren't at all different bars. But were, I mean, I was were, working at a couple different bars. I was a cocktail waitress. You were, you were working at Rainbows at the time. And then Scornavacos. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't, didn't really go there much. But you went there to say hi to me. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, and I, as naive as I was, and I didn't have a high, I had pretty low self-esteem. I didn't understand why he was kept popping up at different places. I just assumed that um, he was just friendly. But that wasn't it, was it? Well, I was friendly. <laughs> but I mean. <laughs> I liked you. Yeah. Yeah. So well, then, yeah, go ahead. Uh, what was interesting, though, is you knew of me. You didn't realize it um, when I had gotten in a car accident. That was the first time I think you knew of me, right? Right. When when I called my mom and, and uh, she said, I have to go because my son was in a car accident. Yeah. She, you, you were in class at that time. Not only was I in class, but I was sitting opposite her and she was tutoring me. Okay. And she rushed out of the classroom. Isn't that ironic? Mm -hmm. That's the first time you would have heard of me. I, I heard that, you, that she had a son. Right. That's all, right. but I mean, I didn't know anything about you other than right. that. So Chuck was a senior in high school when I was a freshman. If we passed each other in the hallways, <clears throat> we didn't um, know each other. I, I didn't, I don't remember ever Did you go to, seeing him in high uh, school. Freshman year, were you there the whole year? Or I think it? so. Okay. Right. I think so. So <clears throat> anyway, so then finally I wised up with that guy that was not good for me that I was dating and I broke up with him and Chuck and I started dating and we dated for about two years and then I got pregnant and I was an old-fashioned girl he was an old-fashioned guy and we just figured we needed to get married, right? Is that how you'd put it? I guess. We, we had been looking, you know, and saving money for a house, um, but then we had to get serious real fast. Yeah, so um, we were really young. I mean, yeah. I, was, I was 21 at that time, and Chuck was maybe 24, so we were really young. 25, maybe? 25, yeah. But, um, yeah, so we saved our money and bought a house and got married. Yeah, in that order, three days or five days apart from each other. Yeah. Bought the house, and then five days later moved into it. Mm -hmm. What do you think of our wedding? <laughs> Same thing you thought of it. <laughs> well, I'll let you talk first. Um, well, uh, your parents and my parents had different ideas about things, and they pretty much uninvited most of our friends and invited their friends. And your dad... Um, canceled the caterer that your mother had hired and hired some horrible caterer. Um, it, it was just kind of a... A disaster? That's a nice word for it. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, the food was just not edible. Not edible. That's how right. bad it was. Bottom line, it was horrible. And we got married at a reformed Jewish temple because at that time I told my mom I did not want to get married by a justice of the peace and 
my parents said they would not attend our wedding if we got married at a church because my parents are are Jewish, conserv conservative Jewish. So the only option we had was a reform temple or a justice of the peace. And I wanted to get married in a religious place. My attitude, and we'll talk about that later, but my my perception and attitude about religion, marriage, everything else has changed drastically than it did back then. So we had the wedding and... We worked before the wedding and we, we worked the next day. We, we've been working for the last forever, just every day since then. But that's not really, that's either here nor there to the reason why we're having this conversation and why we're talking about this. Mm -hmm. um, so let's just be bluntly honest, and Chuck and I have talked about this many times in the past, is that both of us had a lot of issues when we met, a lot of emotional problems, a lot of issues. Um, I was a very insecure, very uh, depressed, anxious young person, very extremely sensitive to everything, everything. I'm sorry, the dogs are distracting us. They're <sighs> Okay. Um, go ahead, I'm, I'm still here. Okay, he's still listening, but he's cleaning up peanut butter paper. Um, yeah, that's because we had to work with Blossom with her cart. We have a two-legged dog, and she's being trained for her cart with peanut butter. Anyway, so I can just speak for myself that I was very insecure. I was very self-destructive. I, I was extremely sensitive, empathic and a great enabler and uh, very driven from a business standpoint and a very, very hard worker, but um, had no self-esteem and always put myself last. So that was a pattern that persisted, although most people that knew me from a business standpoint or close friends didn't necessarily know that about me. And with Chuck, um, Chuck had explosive anger problems and he would get angry at the drop of a hat over and over again and this happened from the time I first met him I'm, I knew this well before uh, before you know we got married and I said for years and Chuck hated when I said it I don't know if it still makes him cringe but that I married someone that in that respect was very much like my father. My dad had a very bad temper and it was something that I was comfortable with because I understood it and knew it. I'm not saying that you were like my dad in other ways, but in that way, the explosive temper you were. And, um, and so they say you marry someone like your parent. In my case, I, f I feel like that's what I was zoned in on and that's what in Chuck's with Chuck's personality or his temperament at that time, that's what was so, the most evident. And how how would you like to describe uh, both of us? Not who we are now or what happened, because we're going to get into the big cracking open. But um, yeah, I was uh, I looked at the world negatively. Um, glass half full. I was angry a lot. I was um, trying to make I was trying to make things fit my idea of how things were supposed to be, and basically that means taking a you know square peg and trying to jam it into a round hole. So how would that so people can get kind of a visual or an idea of how that would uh, on a day to day basis how that would translate to your behavior on an everyday basis when we were all you know for many years rational angry um you know uh, swearing a lot punching walls throwing things yeah angry and yeah just uh you know i i i grew up programmed to be aggressive to be scary to be fearful um it, why does it keep doing that that's chuck's phone that keeps being annoying because i have work to do and it's on my schedule and it's going off telling me I have work to do. I know, sorry. Um, you know, that 
what came from my dad's programming. He was the football coach, the wrestling coach, boxing coach. He had a really tough background that he came from. His father was an alcoholic and for most of his life not around. So he, uh, you know, his whole thing was like kind of like a drill sergeant and preparing you for war. And that's not, didn't serve me very well. Okay, so so we were the perfect storm for two people that were extremely different, very polar opposite. I was the enabler. I was the one that was trying to fix everything, make everything right, nurture everyone, love everyone. I had zero self-esteem, didn't take care of myself the way I should have taken care of myself, definitely didn't make myself a priority. And Chuck was an explosive mess. So this is how we lived our marriage for 25 years. And throughout those 25 years, I'll share just kind of an overview of my feelings and what I was thinking during those, all those years. First of all, I was always working on myself. Throughout all those years, I was always trying to become a better person. I took a lot of classes. I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of self-help seminars and books and uh, meditation. And I really worked hard on myself throughout, consistently throughout all of those years. And the stronger I became, the more unhappy I was in my marriage and the more vocal I was just to myself and to my one confidant, which happened to be my birth mother. And so often throughout all those years, I would feel so alone and lonely that uh, I would take these long walks and I would just hope and pray that if I snapped my fingers, I would just disappear. That's how unhappy I was. I felt completely and totally alone. And I also felt very unsafe. I also was very, very afraid of Chuck. I was afraid of his temper. I was afraid of what he would do if I left him. And I called hotlines, uh, abuse hotlines, and asked them questions because I was confused and didn't know if really I was being overdramatic about it. And they would always say, no, you're not. And it was very, very toxic. Uh, and on top of that, I tried to protect my children. Now, Chuck, I should tell you, was never, ever, 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 ever physically abusive to any of us. Um, most of the blowout temper was at the world and in our space, occasionally at me um, and occasionally at the kids. But, um, but being as sensitive as I am, it, you know, it also deeply affected me. And I always said if Chuck ever physically hit any of us that I would have left on the spot. But what I did do as a coping mechanism for his temper when it would get out of control is I would take the kids, the kids were little at that time, and I would say, okay, kids, let's go. We're going to go to a hotel. And I would leave the house and I would take the kids to a hotel for two or three days and just get them out of the situation and give Chuck time to uh, decompress, which extremely unhealthy uh, behavior on my part, for sure. So how would you, that's kind of how I would describe the 25 years for me. How would you describe it for you and having, being in our house together? Um... You know, I, I always cared about you and tried to do the best, but I my programming was completely off. And, um, you know, everything you described was true. But, I mean, it wasn't 24-7 like that. But when it was, when issues came up, uh, I just handled it wrong. And it would happen, I mean, but it was at, issues came, ideas of issues that came up were things that most people would just roll off their shoulders. It wasn't a big deal. It would be things like, you know, uh, getting stuck in traffic or uh, not getting through to somebody on the phone quick enough. I mean, stuff that really it should... The little stuff that would just, I would always be angry and negative about. Right, right. Right, right. and that's just, that's, you know, I didn't know any better, and... Um, that 
that was just saying. But how did you feel? What What did you think of our, I mean, I described what I felt of my uh, I, life during that time. What did you feel during those 25 frustration. years? Um, you know, again, I bring it up because it's we were always working 24-7. Well, no, we slept at night. We it wasn't 24-7. Well, but, but, but we had our own businesses, so we things were could, could go wrong in the middle of the night. We were always... And then we had problems with our kids. Lots of problems. Lots of problems. Serious, there serious too. problems. Nothing to do with Chuck or I, but right. having to do with them. But it, it adds to the, you know, when, when you're frustrated, when you want things to work out magically perfect, um, and your way of dealing with things when they don't work out that way is to be angry uh, and frustrated. And again, trying to jam a square peg in a round hole all the time. It's just. Uh, it was not healthy for myself or for anyone around me. Um. So, so let's fast forward uh, to 2008. And in 2008 was the first time I really told Chuck I wanted a divorce. And at that time, Chuck said his response to me when I said I wanted a divorce was, um, was I'm not moving to an apartment. That was his response to me. Not that he loved me, not that he cared about me, but that he's not moving to an apartment. So that tells you how disconnected he was emotionally. And so my response to him was, well, then if we're going to still live under the same roof, um, then you're gonna to have to take over running pet sitters and manage that company because I'm doing way too much. I was running a lot of different companies, doing a lot of different things, and he needed to step up to the plate and do more work. So then he agreed to take over running pet sitters, but nothing changed for us as far as our marriage or anything else at that time. And we continued in our patterns until 2000 and I believe it was 14, 2014, it would be our 25th, it was shortly after our 25th wedding anniversary and I had been working on myself for a good year of preparing myself to tell Chuck I wanted a divorce and really follow through, even if it meant I needed to move, even if it meant I needed to, you know, go into poverty. I, at that point, I didn't care anymore. And so I was really working on some serious self-help stuff. I was taking classes. I was reading about self-help stuff. I was doing tapping, which is emotional freedom technique, which helps you deal with things that are causing you a tremendous amount of stress um, and fear. And then I started doing walking and I started walking a lot, long, long walks to bring up my courage and started doing a lot of deep meditations and so forth. And during that time, uh, I also was um, dabbling in uh, more metaphysical type of stuff and really diving deep into that. At that point, Chuck and I were roommates at best. I had moved into a separate bedroom. We managed the kids' stuff very well together, actually. We actually always were good at that end of it. So we were doing that really well, but we had absolutely no relationship at all. And I was working very, very hard at that time to gain the courage to tell Chuck that I wanted to divorce and not be afraid anymore of him hurting me or killing me or anything like that. Um, because at that point, I just didn't want to live anymore. So one day, I decided I finally got my courage up and really up, and I wrote Chuck an email and basically told him that I wanted a divorce. And I did it in a way where I had learned and decided, based on what I had learned, that the best way to deal with anything is come from a place of love. So when I wrote this email to him, it was actually in a place of love for him and a love for me and that we just needed to move on and move separate from each other no matter what it took i i said in my email that that is the direction that we needed to take and why don't you tell tell everybody what you were doing that that at that time and where you were at um i had actually started to try to figure out 
what I could do to fix myself. Um, prior to that, I had gone to anger management classes um, at your request, um, but it didn't do anything really uh, for me. Uh, and I had been reading um, some like psychology books on, and I, I wasn't really getting anywhere at that time. Um, uh, you know, after that, uh, why don't you give a time frame? Was this like the year before we start? I asked you for a divorce. I don't or know if six it was the year or two years. I don't remember exactly when. I just know prior to that, you had asked me to go to anger management. An anger management class. Maybe that was part of that 2008. I'm not moving to an apartment thing. I don't know. And, it's. Uh, I think that's right when it was. Yeah. yeah. So I, I did. So the, it was many years later. Yeah, I did the anger management class, but it didn't help didn't right, help, right. Um, so fast forward to 2014 and where were you at that time and what was going on with you and and where was your mindset at when you got maybe we should just say what was happening when when you got that email what was your reaction and i was devastated i was sad i was angry um you, you were you surprised or no Maybe a little surprised, maybe not. Um, I, I don't remember exactly. I just, you know, it was it, it was going to be a big change, you know. It was scary. I was scared. Um, and so how, what was your initial response to me? Oh, I don't remember. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> how could you do this to me? Look what you're doing to me, what you're doing to Danny. Um, you're going to destroy everything that we've built. Why would you do this? Um, this is horrible of you. That was your initial response. Mm -hmm. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And then what happened? Uh, we started the process of going to get a divorce. Um, I don't know what you were working on at that point. If you... So I had already done a lot of research about the legal aspect of getting a divorce. And I had gone to the Lake County Courthouse. I had talked to an attorney and realized I couldn't afford an attorney. So I was going to try to do the divorce myself um, and did a lot of research on my own. And uh, we started looking at houses. Mm -hmm. Um, so the intention was that we would have you move to a different house and just stretch our finances really far and, uh, and then do that before we got divorced because we knew we could never afford a second house if we were divorced. So that's, that's what initially happened. And then Chuck and I, Chuck doesn't have a really clear memory of this and I have a crystal clear memory of this it was a matter of it was in the springtime when this happened because it was actually right after our anniversary uh, at the end of March when I asked him for a divorce and it was about six weeks later or so that uh, we that Chuck came home one day and he just looked different he looked like he was at peace for the first time in his life and I looked at him and I said, what is going on with you? And you said something to the effect of, I'm working on myself and I'm, I think I found the answer that's going to help me. And from there, in a very, very short period of time, Chuck made significant changes. He started helping more around the house. Your your memory of what happened in the 25 years is different than mine as far as the workload. I, I would say that I did the majority of the workload and that you did things when you felt like doing them and how you felt like doing them. Not You weren't as hardworking as you think, as you remember. At least that's not my perception. My perception is that you did things when you wanted to or if they were absolutely falling apart. You know, I think it was like things that you wanted done and in my category I thought that's not important so I didn't do it um, but the house was pretty much falling apart right things that right things that you wanted and 
it, but well, I, I was pet like, sitting though a lot. I was yeah, working. But it, it's, I mean, I, I, I was working, but I just wasn't doing like if you said I would like to you get are, this done. You are not working nearly what you're working now. Your perception is just, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, well, I can tell you that like this past Christmas, I had maybe eight stops. Back then, I would have 20, 25 stops. Yeah, but you were, but there's there's a lot more to running a household, and our our physical house was falling apart because Chuck refused to do anything to fix the house, and he we didn't have the financial ability to hire someone, and Chuck is very oh. is very um, handy, and there's no reason he can't do things to fix the house, and the house was literally falling apart around us, and he would wait until I threatened to hire somebody else or whatever. And our upstairs bathroom was literally condemnable. And it had been something I just stopped asking him to fix, like condemnable, like it was barely usable. It was in really, 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 really bad shape. And this was uh, in the, the s late spring of that year, all of a sudden he started fixing the bathroom. And he literally gutted the whole thing and fixed it from top to bottom. And uh, without me having, to, I didn't ask him to do it. And well, at that time, I was we were still working on me moving out. And right. my, my thought was, I need to fix all this stuff before I move out so that it's fixed for you. But that even, right. But the, the whole point is, is that old Chuck never would have done that. Mm-hmm. So right, but I was working on my process of so fixing myself. There, so let's go back to that from your perspective. So what I was seeing, we're going to show what I was seeing from my perspective and his. So I was seeing this guy that was now all of a sudden fixing things around the house that he never fixed before. He was he he wasn't swearing anymore. He wasn't screaming anymore. And this happened within a very short period of time like two to three weeks from the time I asked for a divorce. And yet he was still going through the process of actually going through the divorce. So we were seeing house, we were seeing houses, figuring out our finances. And what was going on with you? I was working on myself. I, fig I finally came across a book that had case studies. And I don't know if it was the first one or the second, early on in the book, there was a case study that was pretty much it was it was a woman, but it was exactly my scenario. Um, she I don't know if it was her mother, her father that programmed her basically with all this negative negativity, this fear, this anger, and I said that's exactly where I got all this stuff from my dad and how he raised me. And the answer was um, uh, Mindfulness. Mindfulness. And um, I didn't know what that was, really. They had a brief description. So I immediately said, okay, I've got what I need out of this book. I have to find out what mindfulness is. So I went on the Internet, and I think I bought a book on mindfulness. And um, it helped, but I quickly realized it was only like a small piece of the puzzle. It wasn't the whole thing. And I, so I said, okay, where do I go from here? Where did mindfulness come from? So went online, where did mindfulness come from? And it came from Buddhism. Um, and I was determined, dedicated to changing myself, fixing myself. And uh, so, um, you know, it popped up and I said, okay, the, this is what I have to do. Um, and I started on a course of just becoming a practicing Buddhist, I guess, is what you would say. I downloaded a couple books. I found a um, website that had monks that gave talks on Buddhism. and uh, I So just, you immersed yourself yeah, in learning? all day, all day and night. Because uh, I was pet-sitting, I was driving from one client's house to the next. That's all I did was listen to these talks over and over and over. Um, contemplate what they were saying and uh, alongside that I was listening to neuroscientists that found Buddhism and would test Buddhists like meditators 
um, and basically they were saying, look, they, the, the, the idea, the philosophy of Buddhism basically got this right 2,000 years ago, and our science is just now proving it. And the whole thing, I just realized, okay, all the thoughts that I've been having, all it, basically the programming that my dad put into me, uh, or society, I, I have to just erase it. I have to just erase, brainwash myself away, and then reprogram my mind with positive um, thoughts and, and being more loving and kind. And uh, that's what I did. I you Through the process and the practice of meditation and Buddhist teachings, um, it, it, it kind of like, and one day it just kind of snapped. It was like I let go of like the last of that, the old neural pathways, and I was like, bam. And you were like reborn. Right. It was like being reborn. And that was in a matter of a very short time. I, I don't know how, I, I don't know the timeline on it. But I can tell you it was, it was about March 15th of 2013 or 14. And it was maybe six weeks later, and you came in in because it was before it was before Libertyville days. Yeah, but I hadn't I hadn't completely changed then. I mean, you noticed a change in me, but I, it wasn't I wasn't totally reborn at that point. I was still working on right. it. Right. <coughs> well, you're and let's face it, we're all still working on right. It. You you but. <coughs> but in a very short time, um, you were, from my my perspective, looking out at you, you were very different. Um, from that moment, actually from the moment I said I wanted a divorce until today, I don't think I've ever heard Chuck swear, ever. And he used to say GD it all the time. He used to use the F word all the time and just... the all those swear bombs, all the, and I don't think he's sworn once. And other than raising his voice, if the dogs are going to get in a fight, I've never heard him raise his voice once since then. Um, so for me, it has, it's been a long process of healing for me and of learning to trust Chuck and also getting a better idea of, uh, of what, is right for me and the boundaries that I need to set and so forth. And so it was a good year. Well, without making this podcast like three hours long, uh, it was it was many months that we were preparing for a divorce. And then it was at the about three months later that Chuck just, I was seeing all these changes in him and I was seeing this side of him that I had never seen that was just so wonderful. And part of me totally didn't trust him. I was so angry and so hurt because I had lived all those years with this horrible man that treated, that it was just a horrible, and it, there was so much um, pain and suffering for me, uh, so much regret so much uh, just sadness. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. That it was a real process for me to be able to slowly begin to trust him because it just seemed impossible that someone could change that quickly and that drastically in my perspective that he changed so quickly and I didn't trust that he wouldn't go back to the old Chuck. And it was a long time. And it was a lot of things that would happen that would trigger my fear again and that he would have to reassure me. And yeah, it was just, it's been a long, a long healing process. I think for both of us in our own unique ways. Uh, and I know now that for me in my life now where it is, is that I would never, ever, ever, ever tolerate what old Sandy tolerated ever again. And uh, Chuck knows that. 
just won't. Hmm? I just won't. That's no, not an shouldn't. option for you me. Shouldn't. And uh, so it was really, I look at it as kind of a modern day miracle. I really do because it happened so quickly, the changes that he made. And then during the time that he was making all those changes very quickly, uh, so profoundly different of a person personality is that I too was making some significant changes during that time. At that same exact time, I came into my gift as a healer that happened spontaneously as I was doing these long journey walks to try to gain clarity and understanding and reach to a higher power to help me to ease my suffering. I came into my gift as a healer and that started me on a whole path of learning and growing in a way to become, you know, started my whole new business and helping people heal them. And it just so much changed in that period of time. And yeah, I don't know. What else can you add to that, Chuck? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's um, it uh, for me it was an awakening. I had been on autopilot, with you know, and I, I'm just so glad I don't live my life that way anymore. I mean, if you hadn't um, asked for a divorce, uh, I'd still be that way. So you saved my life by making really forcing me to become aware of you know and wake me up. That's the first time you've said that. And, you know, it's, um, I think, you know, I, I made a, a conscious decision to, to fix myself. And when I, you know, was able to do that, I, I remember thinking, I, I found something, I should share it with the world, I can fix everyone. <laughs> and it was a little bit of a letdown to find out so many people were also just sleepwalking through life and not aware and they didn't want to become aware um we we started a, a, a well, i think with your prompting we had a you know we started the meetups and we would we had some people come but not a lot um and what he's talking about is um, I came up with the idea of starting a Buddhism and spirituality uh, gathering meeting where Chuck and I would lead discussions on Buddhism and spirituality and tell our personal story to hope to encourage and inspire people. Right. And I just thought, you know, people would be so interested in learning how to wake up and fix their their fears and their um whatever issues they had and uh, you know it's not it didn't work that way no <laughs> and unfortunately it's kind of, that was kind of a thing i had to get over is like um and you know it eventually i in continuing to listen to talks and uh i, I realized that's just the way it is you can only put seeds out there and people have to want to do it themselves you can't force anything on anyone um, you can't magically say hey look here's this philosophy they have to want to do it yeah they've got to want to take make the changes and they have to be the one to put in the hard work right and letting go of all expectations mm -hmm. I mean really and uh, and sometimes it takes what now I you heard me say earlier the cracking open uh, like it did for Chuck and I when I asked, or I told him I wanted a divorce. I didn't ask. I told him I wanted right. a divorce. And uh, that was the cracking open for us. And in most cases, that would have led to a divorce. And in our case, it led to a miracle, I believe. And now Chuck and I work together side by side with everything we do. Um, it's took me a lot of years to really trust him again 
and he knows the boundaries and he knows the expectations as far as, you know, what is and is not allowed in our relationship. And I don't think that's an issue for the most part. And it's not what drives me. Right. More of it in the beginning, it would be what's not allowed in my own thinking, in my own head. But yeah. now it's not even necessary because that's not, not there anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's the, it's what we don't allow in our lives anymore. Yeah. So that's, you know, we, we don't allow angry, negative people in our lives. Uh, we don't allow situations that are not going to be productive, um, that work against what we're working for. And we work together beautifully. Uh, where all those 25 years, we had to work together in our businesses and it was horrible. And there was a lot of um, my avoiding and him yelling. And now we work together seamlessly and beautifully. And we've made some really advances in our business choices and in helping people in bigger ways. And I believe that we were meant to stay together to not only hopefully, well, for sure, have our lives be better with each other and enjoy each other's company and be our own, each other's best friends, but also to be a team together to make a big difference in the world in a positive way. And so that's where we're at right now is we are now a strong and powerful and loving and caring team of two people and lots of animals and lots of other people around us that are good, kind, wonderful people to forge a path to help people to better themselves if they choose and give them the tools that we have available to be able to help them on their own individual journey. So is there any advice that you would have for people just in general? I mean, we told our story obviously and uh, and where we started and where we are now. Is there any advice that you would give people that are struggling, any tools that you would suggest to them to help help them in their life based on uh, maybe especially where you are uh, now versus, you know, uh, where where you were then. Um, really, just uh, examining your your life, um, examining what's going on in the present moment, um, your feelings. Um, we all have the same emotions, but we have different feelings attached to those based on our life experiences. And for some of us, that you. When you're reliving stuff in a painful way, um, you're just harming yourself. Um, uh, it's become popular to for people to believe they're victims, and um, when you believe you're a victim, then you are. Um, I think that you need to find some way to break your cycle. Um, I think people create prisons for themselves of fear. Uh, prisons of, of anger, self-doubt, self-doubt, uh, right, and they're trapped, you're trapped in the past replaying things over in your mind, or you're fearful of the future, making, you know, mountains out of molehills, and thinking how bad something could be, and rarely does, does it ever turn out as bad as you, you're fearful of. Uh, so living more in the present moment, being really aware uh, in the present moment, um, and that's that's kind of a Buddhist thought. Um, I would say find some kind of life purpose, um, some kind of um, something that you can live by, uh, and whether it's Stoicism or Buddhism or whatever. I mean, uh, I grew up Roman Catholic. If if you're like I'm, think I'm Roman Catholic, and you don't you don't want to do Buddhism or anything else, then Go in and talk to your priests and counsel and say, look, I have these issues. What do you suggest? Um, meditation uh, is, is, is very beneficial. Um, and when, when I say, like, have a life's purpose, really, you know, people go through life, they don't, they don't like, what do you stand for? 
you know, what, what is your mission in life? How do you approach each day? Well, you know, what's your life plan? So what is your mission in life, Chuck? Uh, to be beneficial to people around me, to um, not get caught up in things and being more of an observer of things and not uh, pre, not have like a pre-judgmental idea of everything. Um, so if to try to see the truth of things, that means not having preconceived ideas about things, um, not getting caught up in the past, not wishing things could be a certain way, not saying things are going to be better or worse in the future, but just really um, being in the present moment in a positive way and doing that consciously, making a conscious choice all the time to be guarded. Um, there, All these thoughts are in our head. Our brain is made up of different, like, uh, components the, the different areas of our brains it's kind of like a corporation where there's different meetings going on in different uh divisions and they you you get these ideas you get thoughts floating that's not who i am those are just thoughts and if there's any time that something's not beneficial as, as a thought i just push it away um we have the you know the conscious thought pattern who that's me i'm talking right now then there's also the, which is the logical, but then there's also the feeling brain or the heart center, as you might call it. And I think you have to be kind to yourself in that way and listen to both what that chitter chatter that's going on in your head. You kind of got to be just like you'd be kind to someone else. You have to be kind to yourself first. So don't be, don't be, um, don't beat yourself up. Um, so just, that's a lot. You're putting right. a lot in there that is going to be over a lot of people's heads. So well, if, you would... can, if you can gleam one thing out of what Chuck's saying, but let me just ask you this so we can make it more simple for them. Right. Is what would be one first step for change? What would one or two first steps for change? Tools. One, you have to make a conscious decision to actually change you have to say look i'm getting off the couch on this this is going to happen i'm going to change this whatever the issue that you need to work on if it's just one issue or you need like me need to just totally you got to make a conscious choice to do it you're not gonna you're not gonna fall back you are going to do this and then you need to find an avenue to do it you got to figure it out but what would For what me, would be a good first step to figure it out get a Get a book, get take a, a book, class. Get I don't a book, know. go on, go online, start doing research, um, look for podcasts. Uh, don't, um, I would guard you to not do something that reinforces whatever your issue is. Like if you have an issue and you say, well, I am whatever, I'm negative or I'm fearful. That's now you're reinforcing that yourself when you're saying I am fearful. What you have to think is, I I have been living with this idea of fear. It's been it's been not beneficial to me. I need to figure out how to let this go. And so when you're looking for books or podcasts or online, don't look for something that reinforces you being a, the way you are. The way you are, because then you'll never get out of that. Yeah. Um, and if you find like any source that tells you you always be this way. That's old world psychology, and it makes you a victim that you can never recover from, and that's not true. Um, so the idea is you are going to change, you're going to get healthy, and you're going to look for ways to do that, and that may be hard. There it may, will be hard. Right. There, it, there, there, there are that's how you it know, works. Right. You have to get over that first hurdle, and that can be difficult, but once you get over the first hurdle, it, it gets easier. Well, and so I'll add to that. First of all, it has to be a priority in your life. Right, that's what it, it's... 100% priority. It has to take precedence over everything else is getting yourself healthier. There are so many tools, so many people, so many things that you can do that they're endless that you can explore to create a better life for yourself. And um, I will 
add to what Chuck said just by saying that you are a human that is living here on earth, but ultimately you are a soul living a human experience. So the whole purpose of you coming here this lifetime is to learn and grow. And it's your choice how fast you learn and grow. You'll continue on in future lives. It will continue. But I always say I want to learn as much as I can in this lifetime. I want to be as better prepared of a person and a more peaceful, joyful person now. And I don't want to have to keep repeating or you know, going slower. That's just how I am. But know that it's normal that you would have to go through struggles. It's when we don't move through struggles and we just kind of stay where we're at, it, you will eventually have a cracking open. And you can choose to have like what happened with Chuck and I, where it was like a major cracking open, or you can choose right now, here, today, enough is enough. I don't need to be close to a divorce or whatever, and I can change my life for the better, and I can be more happy. I can be more joyful. I can be more at peace, and I can be more connected to others. We are all connected to each other. That's also part of the human experience is we are all connected in some way, shape, or form, all of us, each and every one of us on this face of this earth. You are not alone. You are connected to all of us. And really, truly at the center of all of us is love. We are all beings of love. We, Before we come into this lifetime, we are complete love. And then when we leave this lifetime, we go back to complete love. You can look at that as God. You can look at it as uh, all consciousness or the collective or whatever you want to call it. But we are all connected. And so know that you are not alone and that there are always people there to help you. But you need to reach out for help if you need it. And use some of the tools like what Chuck was saying um, to start changing your life for the better. It is possible. You can do it. And you don't have to wait till tomorrow. We would encourage you to start today because there's a whole better place for you in the future if you just work hard. It's not going to come easy and you have to trust that it's going to take time too and be patient because it's a process and it's ever-changing. Nothing ever stays the same. Right? Right. So on our anniversary, this is the first year, as I said, that I have ever actually celebrated our anniversary. It's first year ever where I actually am grateful for that horrible day on March 12th, 1989, <laughs> when we got married and it was a horrible wedding and it was many, many years of a lot of uh, hardship and I am grateful for it all because it brought us where we are today on the very, very far other side of it where Chuck is, for the first time ever, I can say, is truly my very best friend. And um, I'm so grateful to have him in my life. And uh, He's just turned into this amazing man that maybe down deep way those many years ago, I knew that he was in there somewhere and that we were destined to stay together so that we could help the world in a bigger way. Well, I'm glad we're together and you're my best friend. And thank you. All right, that's it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I hope you all have a great rest of the day. This is Sandy and Chuck Wisniewski. And this is my podcast, Peace, Love, and Pets. Till next time. Bye, everyone. Are you interested in reading more stories of animals that shape our lives? Check out all my books that are available for sale at www.sandykamenwisniewski.com.
Are you looking to adopt a new family member? See all of our available dogs, cats, rabbits, guinea pigs, birds, and much more on our website at www.aear.org.